evening all and welcome back to the dark side live podcast um so in one moment we're gonna have the absolutely amazing guy we're gonna have paul de gelder okay now obviously we're gonna have as much chat as we can in this hour i mean there's so much we can cover with paul it's incredible um especially but you know over his lifetime there um but what we'll do we'll you know, it's always say we'll try and cover as much as we can in content okay um so really try and get as much as like backstory bring it all up to date um so hopefully we get a really good connection um with paul today um because obviously he's in la um i'm in uk uh so hopefully like you know it'll be a really good um connection there um so really what we're going to do is just kind of cover as much as i can there um as to see paul just joined there um he'll be joining us one moment just gonna just Get this up and running. Just waiting for that connection. Hello, mate. All right? Yeah, mate. What's going on? How are you? Yeah, yeah. Good. How's life? Oh, not too bad. The, uh, the dog park is closed for cleaning for the next 35 minutes, so I'm just hanging out with the, with the mutt while we wait for them to clean. Oh, he's a beauty. Yeah, he's not bad. Nice. Uh, How's life in general? Are you good for you? Yeah, it's good, man. Gold's Gym just opened uh, this nice. morning in, in Venice for the first time in a few months. So it's good to get down there and get the first solid leg day in. Uh, although I, although I, didn't want to, I didn't go too hard because you know what leg day is like when yeah. you do a hard one, even if you've missed a couple of, you know, a week, and <laughs> missed like a couple of months. So there was Absolutely. no way I was going to be screaming in pain when I sit down on the toilet tomorrow. Um, so... I took it fairly easy and did some legs and abs and shoulders and just nice. eased my way back into it. Yeah, I think that's the one way because once you start going into like proper beasting sessions, you're going to just tear every muscle, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm like, it, it's not uh, important for me to get sore the next day anymore. It's no. important for me to be able to keep, you know, striving along every day. So there's finding that, that fine line of balance between getting a solid smash session in and, yeah. you know, re- doing something that's going to um, help you get stronger and fitter, but, you know, not take away from the quality of your life the next day. Absolutely, because nothing worse than actually feeling that, and you, you've done a hell of a session, and then you literally just feeling every muscle, and it's all you've torn something, or it's, it's damaged yeah. there. Uh huh. Yeah. And, you know, there's even if you do, there's ways to get over that. You learn, you learn by force uh, yeah. when you're in the military and you're doing things like selection courses and shit like that, and you wake up the next day and literally everything in your body feels like it's going to fall off. But then, you know, and they, you, you can't say, no, no, I'm not doing PT today. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm feeling a bit sore. They're like, really? sure, buddy, sure. Yeah. So, you know, you get, you get 15 minutes into the warm up and you start feeling pretty good again once you get loose and stuff. So, yeah, like you, you intrinsically know that even if you are sore, you can still go and do some, do some stuff, but just yeah. takes a little bit of extra motivation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we're always on these podcasts anyway, it's very free flowing. Um, and then basically what we'll do is a little bit of a backstory for everybody who's watching in. We're going to like obviously convert it over to the podcast itself so everyone listening there. So if you just want to jump in there and just get, obviously give yourself a, um, your backstory um, from anywhere, obviously in military beforehand, all the way up to as far as you can, really. Oh, that's a really bloody long story, mate. Yeah, I know. We're going to try and chop <laughs> it down because I know this because I've heard so many. Your, I know your story, obviously, with listening to obviously yourself on Gezza's uh, Veteran State of Mind podcast, which is obviously where I first got to know you. Um, and I know there's a lot that, you you know, there's only so much you can fit within an hour. 
yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's there's been many many chapters to the life. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I love that though. You know, but that, that was the reason that when I nearly died, I was kind of like, oh shit, am I ready to die? And yeah. I thought, shit, you know, I've lived ten lives in these thirty one years. Absolutely. So you know what? If if this is it for me, then I'm I'm good to go. Um, yeah. And so now it's kind of like now that I didn't die and I survived, yeah. it's kind of like um, all I want to do is make sure I feel that way again next time that I, I'm facing death. And yeah. so you know that kind of freed me up to be able to live the life and chase the dreams that I that I've always wanted to. And and that and it works, you know, it works. I'm I'm yeah. literally living something that I never thought I could have achieved. Um, but it all started in the army really yeah. you know, I yeah. joined, joined the army to escape a life that I didn't really think was going anywhere. I'd done some interesting things before that, you know, working behind yeah. bars in strip clubs and becoming a rapper and opening up for Snoop Dogg and, you know, struggling and striving and yeah. fighting and, but you know, just, uh, what, are you, what are you crying about? Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I, I didn't do well in school, but I was well read. And so yeah. I knew about this incredible world out there, but I just didn't know how to be a part of it because every week was just a struggle to make rent and get money for groceries. Yeah. And so my younger brothers were in the army and they were in artillery. And so I, I talked to them about it and um, they said it was great, um, yeah. but they told me not to join infantry. So I joined infantry exactly. and became, <laughs> became a paratrooper um, and did that. Well, nearly dropped you up. Yeah. Um, did that for, uh, for a join, join the army in November, 2000 yeah. and switched over to the Navy in about April, 2005, yeah. um, and did some cool stuff, you know, um, sniper training, unarmed combat, jungle warfare, uh, military operations, urban terrain, specialist communications, um, uh, parachuting, um, got a peacekeeping job with the UN, uh, out in East Timor, which is a, a small island nation that no one outside of Australia has heard of. Uh, but the Indonesians were killing the East Timorese for uh, a few decades, like 250,000 of them yeah. were dead. Um, and so multinational force went in and the Aussies were patrolling the border the whole time. And it was, pr it was pretty cool, you know, got a UN medal for it and um, yeah. Australian Active Service medal and the Infantry Combat Badge. So that was pretty cool to be able to rock those when you come back and just, you know, have a deeper understanding of the world, really. Yeah, you know, I'd absolutely. never been over, I'd never even been overseas before. And all yeah. of a sudden I'm going to this third world country where there's people have been slaughtered and starved and then illnesses uh, and dying. And yet they're happy and they don't even have running water. They don't even, yeah. you know, they don't have the basic necessities, a lot yeah. of them. And yet they were happy. And so that kind of blew my mind and made me realize how much of a you know a bit of a selfish asshole I've been yeah. for most of my life, um, and I think that's something that a lot of young people should see. You know, instead yeah. of going to what they have, you know, they call it schoolies week in Australia, where you know you you finish high school and you you go and party for a week, or um, I, I don't know what they do in the UK, like programs. It's, they should invest that money into sending school kids out to a third world country. Um, yeah, for a good for even for a couple of weeks just to go and see what it's like and see how yeah. the other half live and maybe spend some time helping them you know, building orphanages or whatever and Absolutely. and really get a full idea of how bad it can be and how lucky they are and how grateful and how hard they should work to you know to strive to be better people um, I think that would change a lot to be honest about society in general um, because 
you know, I don't want to slam on the um, millennial generation or anything yeah. like that. You know, I, I, we, they've been raised through the way that they've been raised. You know, that's yeah. like, it, it's just a, a cycle. You know, we get brought up by the way our parents brought them up and you know, it's just um, a different world now. So it's, it's not like it's, they're doing anything wrong. Um, but I, I do see a lot of bullshit on social media. Oh, absolutely. Um, pe- people like it's, it's, pr- gets pretty ugly and yeah. you know, that's not even the millennials. That's people my age as well. And yeah. it's horrible. Um, so I think, you know, going and witnessing what it's like to live in a third world country without would, would build a lot more appreciation and maybe a bit more kindness. Um, anyway, I digress. No, no, absolutely um, no, not a problem. Because I was going to say, obviously, doing the, uh, being a parachute and then obviously going into the, into the Navy to go diver, was that something you've always had that love of, was the water, to go into there? Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, I did. My dad um, was a swimming instructor and a police officer, so we grew up swimming. Uh, my yeah. first dip in the ocean was at two weeks old, and yeah. I was spearfishing with my grandfather. Um, and so I, I always had the, the ocean in my blood. Um, yeah. But we moved away when I was 10 to a, a place called Canberra and the ocean was an hour and a half away. Yeah. And so I didn't really get to be in it for a, a whole decade. And my life was pretty horrible then. Uh, I, I don't, I, I can't account at all to not being near the ocean, but yeah. it was a real, like the, where I lived was pretty and it was safe and uh, you know, the, all the politicians mm-hmm. lived there, but it was so boring. And mm-hmm. so we just got into trouble. Um, and it was the only place in Australia where marijuana was decriminalized. And so, yeah. you know, everyone's smoking weed and then that leads yeah. to speed and cocaine and ecstasy and partying and, you know, fighting and stealing. It's just a terrible train of events. Um, yeah. you know, I got kicked out of home when I was, when, once I flunked high school and just had to negotiate life on my own with no direction because the, the teachers hadn't taught me anything about the world. It's just basically you go and you sit in a classroom and they talk, teach maths at you and yeah. don't really guide you. You don't get no guidance about the real world. My parents, my dad was busy working with the police all the yeah. time. Mum was looking after my three younger siblings. So, and so I just didn't get any guidance at all, except for, you know, what I was listening to in music, which was rap. And yeah. so Snoop Dogg and NWA and Dr. J were probably not good indicators of where I was headed in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but movies as well. And then reading. And, you know, I, that's where I got my love of the world was um, documentaries with people like David Attenborough and Steve, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve yeah. Owen and stuff like that. And reading the Encyclopedia Britannica and learning about all of these incredible places. But um, I really didn't know how to go and see these places and be a part of it until I joined yeah. the army. And then um, I just got... I don't know, I just got bored with the army. Um, yeah. I, I got a trip to Iraq in 2004, pulled out from under me four days before we left. And yeah. I just got the shits and I wanted to go somewhere where I could do my job for real, like yeah. I did in East Timor. And so I heard about these things, these guys called the clearance divers. And I didn't really know much about them. I, I knew no one looked directly at them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, shit, I want to be one of those guys. Yeah. And so I, I'm like, I've never scuba dived in my life, but... I'm not afraid of the water. And so yeah. I gave it a crack, trans- did service transfer, uh, went and did ship's divers, learning to scuba dive and search for yeah. limpet mines, and then went on 10-day selection, which was horrendous. Yeah. Um, you know, I lost 15 pounds and 70% of the course quit 
most of them on the first day. Uh, but it was I, I went into it with a mindset where they're going to have to kill me or I'm going to pass because I'm not going back to the army uh, as a failure. You know, I, I don't. I didn't see my. There was no future there for me anymore. Yeah. Um, I was just over it. I didn't want to do the same exercises every year yeah. and be treated like a pleb every day of my life. Um, and I just wasn't interested in riding the rank train either. You know? uh, yeah. So it was it was either clearance divers or bust. And um, sometimes you have to go into things like that. Sometimes you have to go into life like that. You, know? yeah. you have to commit yourself wholly and fully to these dreams we have, even if they might seem impossible to you or to everyone around you. Um, you know, I've learned over the years that impossible is a stupid word that no Absolutely. one should use. You know, impossible, I can't, um, you know, I don't think I could, like all of that stuff, all what that excuses? negative connotation. Yeah, yeah don't. There's, it's bullshit. Just say, yeah. man, well, I can't right now, but I want it bad enough that I'm going to make it happen. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's that's just how I've learned to live. And everyone, I believe, should because we are so much more capable than what we believe. Yeah, because I think that's what it was the mindset because I know myself because obviously I can totally, when I obviously heard your story the first time, I could relate to that because obviously I was serving in the, in the Royal Navy, obviously fixing helicopters. And then I just, one day I just looked around and I just thought, I want to jump out of them rather than try and fix these. Yeah. And that's when I got me, I wanted to go to obviously ship's divers or Royal Marines, but then I trashed my knee, game over. So, yeah, yeah. you know, had it been a different route, you know, different times, never know. I'm, you know, might not know where I've been today. But with yourself, though, with that um, career there, obviously you found that, that true path. I could see that where you, you found something that you were like, this is it. This is my path. I'm going to um, travel down now. Yeah, it was, uh, I was just, you know, 31, oh, 30 years old. Yeah traveling the world with my mates, blowing shit up, jumping out of aircraft, diving on all manner of diving equipment, um, riding a big black Italian sports bike, and I lived at Bondi Beach. Yeah. So I don't know if you can actually get any better than that for a, yeah. a big really a big adventurous, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it, it was a dream come true. I was getting paid really well as a clearance diver, and yeah. so I had money in the bank. I was fit and strong. I had girls at yeah. the beach. You know, it was freaking great and then you know you turn up to work one day and a nine foot bull shark decides to eat you for breakfast and exactly, you know, that exactly. flips, I mean, was, flips everything on its head did that happen whilst you're in the job where you in where you were still yeah. a clearance diver yeah yeah it, yeah. Happened, it happened at work i was at doing work, yeah. yeah i was doing um uh, a swim in sydney harbor pretending to be an yeah. attack swimmer because yeah. that was actually uh, somebody had asked us that question where did it happen was this the same guy um because one of my friends billy ward he jumped on he's, he asked us did that happen i said i'm not quite sure i think so but like obviously like, i will always ask that question where obviously and just given the answer there uh, so that's actually where it happened yeah yeah right right next to the navy base yeah. um and and so this is you know a, a beautiful well-known spot of sydney harbour yeah. You can actually see the Harbour Bridge from it. You can see the Opera House. Yeah. Um, and so no one had been attacked in Sydney Harbour in 60 years. Uh, so lucky me, dog park's open. So I'm going to put the dog in there so he can have a run around. Um, yeah, and, you know, no clearance diver had ever been attacked. So this was pretty big news. And like the funny thing was that... Um, just before I got bitten, I was thinking about what would happen if I got bitten by a shark. Yeah. Um, 
because well, it's, it's not really that strange if you know my mindset because I was petrified of sharks and yeah. every time I got in the water I had sharks on the brain and so you know, it's, Australia, it's Australia everything's trying to bloody kill you out there so you know, you get in the ocean and you just you know we had I'd never seen a shark you know yeah. we, we swim for hours in the middle of the night um, on rebreathers and stuff and I, I you know we'd been bumped we'd seen shadows but I'd never actually seen a shark yeah. until it was actually attached to me and eating me which is not how you want to be introduced to this animal not exactly because i remember you saying that you literally you were in the water and next thing you know there's this bullshit attached to you like whoa you know and, and and i know that's when you said about fear wasn't it yeah yeah um just you know the survival instinct kicks in and you start to fight back um but you know it took a second for me to process what I was seeing because like I said, I hadn't seen a shark before, <laughs> like maybe baby ones, but this, yeah, was, yeah. this thing was huge. Like it grabbed me by the back of my right leg and had my hand inside its mouth as well because my hand was by my side yeah. and its mouth went from um, the bottom of my glute all the way to the top of my knee. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. And then yeah. started to fight back and it decided I was food and it started to fight back and yeah. took me underwater and was tearing the crap out of my body. And yeah. just the most, you know, the funniest question I get is people say, did it hurt? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so bite into your own arm and just start tearing it as much as you can. And then times it by a million. Um, and so, yeah, I thought I was going to die. I, I, I didn't think I was going to make it home that day, but you know, military training, uh, really came to the fore and helped out and gave me that laser like focus. You know, once it had actually removed my hamstring and my hand and it was swimming away. Um, I just, my, my only instinct was to get to the boat, to get to safety. Yeah. And so swimming back to the boat with one hand and one leg through a pool of my own blood and the guys in the boat, my teammates were coming at me and my, just my every ounce of focus was going into getting to that boat. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, the guys got to me first and um, we started, they started first aid and yeah. I was, I, I, it's just the situation felt so serious. I was trying to add some levity. So I was cr cracking jokes and my, yeah. my buddy Tom was just over the top of me like, Dude, you're dying. Stop cracking jokes. <laughs> like, that's the best time to crack jokes. What are you talking about? It's that dark humor, isn't it? When it's best, you know, these moments, you need that dark humor. And I think that's exactly. that's what it is. It keeps you that, that level-headed. Like you said, you've got the – you know you had to focus. You know he had to get out of there. And like you said, that, that kicked in, the training kicked in. But it's that dark humor. It's a kind of – is a lifesaver, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that – that comes, you do that through the whole military. You know, you might be out yeah. in, the, in the bush or the jungle digging fighting pits for two days and you're covered in mud and mosquito bites and ticks and you're wet and hungry yeah. and you'll stop and you'll just look at your buddy and you'll just start pissing yourself laughing at the ridiculousness of the scenario when you should be like laying down in the hole filling with water crying because you just, life sucks. But you just, <laughs> you, just you can't do anything but laugh about it. And so yeah. I think I think that is a, a, a makes us, stronger to know yeah, that we can get through a lot more and i guess that's the sad thing about the amount of service people that uh give up and commit suicide and yeah. um just just really give into it because uh it gets on top of them and 
I think a lot of it is not feeling like you can discuss these things with people yeah. uh, when you get out, you know, you get trained to bottle it all down and push it all down and just deal with it and just harden up. And yeah. you know, I've lost a, lost a bunch of friends to suicide now. And you know, they just, they didn't, they didn't open up. They didn't tell anyone, they didn't yeah. talk to anyone. And I think, that's possibly one of the reasons why I manage so well. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't think I have PTSD. I don't. I've yeah. never had a nightmare. I've never had a flashback. I faced my fear, and I do do, I do that constantly now. Yeah. Um. At yeah. for work, you know. Uh, sorry, let's move away so I can get some peace and quiet. People come. People starting to come in now. Um. And so yeah, it's just. I, it, it really can be a gift or a curse depending yeah. on how you utilize it and how much you're willing to grow after the fact as well because yeah. you know, as much as we get taught some really helpful stuff in the military, um, you've got to accept that we still need to learn as we come out into the civilian world and one of those things is that uh, in vulnerability there's strength. Yeah. You, know, you can let down your guard and be vulnerable. As soon as I learned that lesson, everything in my world started to open up even more and more and more. And um, instead of just my military mates that were able to um, talk to me and be mates, like I started to be able to converse with civilians more and that yeah. opened up the, the pathway onto the stage and motivational speaking and started, you know, I was getting so many jobs and I was making heaps of cash and I actually overcame that fear you know the only other thing i was yeah. more afraid of than sharks was public speaking and yeah. so i got to overcome that fear as well and then i just realized shit there's just nothing left to be afraid of and yeah. now i'm free to live every day as a dream life because death's not scary and that's the probably yeah. the biggest thing we're all afraid of death like it's just not that scary anymore. Um, yeah. Do you think you embrace it? Do you think it's kind of, kind of a case of once you embrace it, of thinking, we, you know, we are mortal and we are going to die? And it's that point of embracing something that, to a point where you find that inner peace. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely an angle that you could take with it. Um, I, I've, from my perspective, which I hope no one out there has to um, experience is that I just, I was that close to death already. Yeah. And so I, I just, at those final moments when I thought I was actually going to die and, and I let go, I realized that it wasn't that scary. And the only thing that I was concerned about was whether or not I had any regrets. But, you know, that was the last thing I was thinking about. I was like, am I ready to die? And yeah. I thought back on my life and I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I've lived 10 lives in these 31 years. Yeah. Um, I, I have no regrets from where I came from in the past to where I am now. Yeah. Like I've done more than I ever thought I could achieve. So shit, if I'm going to die, then I'm ready to go. Uh, and now it's like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm, yeah. I know what, I know death's not scary. I know that the only fear I would ever have is regrets. And so now I'm just determined to go to my deathbed next time with no regrets and just having at least tried to make an impact on other people's lives. So they perhaps, you know, at schools and kids and things like that. So maybe they don't have to go through some of the crap that I went through. Make it a little yeah. easier, you know. Exactly. Learning from that experience. Because I know myself, it's like when you look at life as a whole, you kind of, you, like I said, you can be either full of regrets or you can look at that and think, and I've lived a life worth living. Yeah, and, and I it's, think, it's all lessons, man. You know, yeah. all those the horrible times we go through and the struggles we go through, you know, you can look back at them and you can 
Um, and, you know, some of them can be horrible experience, things that you and I could never understand, like giving birth or being raped or things like that. Um, but it's the same sort of thing. You can look back on it as something that's going to cripple you and create fear throughout your life. Or you can look back on it and go, I fucking survived that. You know, and that, that forges a stronger human being. You're not a victim, you're a survivor. Exactly. You know? So it's all about perspective and how you look at things and how you train your mind to work for you instead of being a, you, know, you being a victim to your mind. Absolutely, because I know that's like, and when you said that, someone you really touched on that, which I agree with fully, was the part about like when you look at something, when people look at either weaknesses and strength, and some people look at something that they might feel that's my weakness is actually their strength. Like you said, it's opening up and becoming more acceptance and speaking to more people. The more people we speak to, the more we learn, the more we can then, you know, kind of relate and talk to people on all different levels, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I was very close down to the civilian way of thinking. And I just thought they were all, you know, as I was trained, just a bunch of scum sucking civvies. Um, but, you know, they have so much to teach people like us coming out of the military, just like we have so much to teach them about um, team teammates and leadership and overcoming adversity and believing that you can accomplish things physically or mentally. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know we're all part of this one big team. It's not military versus civilians or me versus no. you or man versus woman or black versus white. It's like this is we are all one. And as you know, as hooky as that sounds, it's true, man. We are we are yeah, a yeah. community. It's, we need to look after it. I see. It's almost like one tribe, isn't it? We are all you know, all human. At the end of the day, we are humanity, regardless yeah. of you know sex, creed, color, race, anything like that. Absolutely. We are all one one family, yeah. really. And I know that's something that a lot of people. They kind of a lot of people have opened up and said, you know, we should be building a world where it's, it's almost like that tribe where we can all interconnect, we can all learn from each other. Mm. And I think that's something that they really definitely uh, like inspires me a lot is the personal evolution, personal development. It's always that constant learning. And I mean, for yourself, you've did you find that once like, so you went through the recovery period? I mean, how long was the recovery itself from the actual initial attack to where you could, you know? where you could really uh, like function properly again? Uh, man, I don't, I don't know if you ever stop rehab once yeah. you lose limbs. Um, it's always not a constant battle, but it's yeah. definitely constant upkeep um, yeah. of, of body, of mind, of spirit, uh, because it's very easy to slip, you know, yeah. have a couple of things go wrong and you slip into depression and, you know, you, you start drinking a little more. And I know I did at the, at the start of this whole lockdown and Corona thing, there was just, there was nothing to do out here in LA. Yeah. Everything was shut down. And so, you know, I'd end the day with a couple of beers and then a friend would come over, we'd have a couple more, then it's a couple more and you feel like garbage the next day. And then, you know, two days later, you're doing it again because it was just nothing to do. And so it, I started feeling really crappy. My spirit just yeah. felt dampened. And, and so I had to just pick myself up by my bootstraps and give me a mental uppercut and start yeah. focusing on, on achieving other things. And that's why I started writing more and um, developing my, my presentations more and uh, writing treatments for shark week and things like that. And distracting my mind from the boredom into creating instead. Um, and you know what? 90% of that, nothing will come of it, but it doesn't matter because you know, that 10% that you create, that something comes from that is all that really matters. Exactly, because that's what some of that I've always I've seen this as a this is something we've never experienced ever. 
really in our lifetime. And I think it was something we've got to utilize. We've got to use those every day. Look at it, take the positive out of it. We've got time to do what we, you know, we've never had opportunities to do before, even if it's say creative writing, you know, start new projects, you know, start new fitness um, you know, regimes, anything like that where you can look at it as a positive. So always look at this, like utilize it the most we can because we never know when we're going to, you know, ever have this amount of time, you know, in time to come yeah, for us to yeah. ever utilize again. Yeah, well, geez, you know, guys and, and women are, are saying that they've never spent this much time with their yeah. family ever. And, you know, it, it, it might have sucked being at home all the time, but um, how many people get to, you know, the age where their kids have grown up and leave the, left the house and they're like, geez, you know, I wish I'd had the opportunity to spend more time with my children and watch them grow. And, and this is a very good opportunity for them to really embrace spending time with their kids and building that foundation Absolutely. of friendship and parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's me talking, coming from a spot where I've never had a child and I've never been married. So <laughs> to disregard whatever you want, <laughs> you know, from sometimes the outside perspective can be um, a good one to consider as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So one of the big questions of it is, how did Shark Week come around then? Uh, well, they were just doing uh, an episode on people that survive shark attacks, and yeah. they asked me if I'd be interested. Uh, I'd already done a bunch of TV by that stage. I'd done yeah. 60 Minutes twice and a couple yeah. of other shows. Um, and so I was like, yeah, whatever, it's just another show. And I did yeah. my own reenactment in the exact same spot where I got attacked. And so they were just kind of like, this guy's fucking nuts. And, <laughs> and I think they liked that. So yeah. you know, they flew me out to LA for a talk show. Um, and then that, the next year they gave me a co-hosting job and it just got bigger and bigger over the years um, to the yeah. point where Nat Geo noticed and they offered me my own show. But the boss at Discovery Channel didn't want me to go to a competitor and yeah. he was not, not nice about it. He was yeah. like a massive dick. And he said, if you go work at Nat Geo, you'll never work at Discovery Channel again. And I was like, why? Why, <laughs> why would you do that to me? Like, yeah. this is, you know, this is a new path for my career, for my future. And you've just like smashed a whole avenue that I could have taken to help develop that. And so, you know, that was, I was pretty pissed off about that. But um, I couldn't decide, you know, the, the deals were fairly equal. Um, Discovery Channel was Shark Week and, you know, a couple of shows a year, three shows a year. And Nat Geo was my own show, yeah. but there was no guarantee. It was like six episodes, no guarantee of a second season. Yeah. So I kind of relinquished control and I gave it to my managers and let them decide. They're like, just stay with Discovery Channel. And you know what? I'm big in loyalty as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And as much as I didn't like the boss who gave me that ultimatum, um, I become very fond of a lot of other people that worked at Discovery Channel, like um, Laurie Goldberg, who runs yeah, yeah. the PR department, and some of the other girls and the producers. So I, I stayed, and it, it was a, it was a good choice. You know, now I've been out in America for three years, yeah. um, love living in LA. I do miss Bondi a lot. I miss Australian beaches yeah. more than you can imagine because these beaches suck. <laughs> uh, the water's gross, and it's like four kilometers from yeah. the from the water across the sand. Uh, but you know, it's great. I've, I've had a lot of opportunities out here. I got a, a, a really awesome show to shoot in a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I can't tell you who it's with, but yeah, yeah like this year, they wanted to give me the celebrity shows because apparently I did really well with them last year and I get along well with the celebrities cause I don't go all fanboy and I just have fun. Yeah. 
And they said, oh, we want you for the celebrity shows this year. I'm like, fuck. Again, I'm like, I want to do proper shark science and teach people stuff. And then they told me who I was working with. I'm like, ah, take it all back. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just have that. I, I don't do it. I, yeah, because I think was it one of the one of the, obviously when you worked alongside, obviously done the part with Will Smith as well, and it was just like you know you could see how easy going you were with these people, and it's it's that kind of like because like you said, you you're very open, you know, very easy going where you just talk to people on that on that human level regardless of wealth or anything like that. It comes, it, there's nothing on that level where when you're speaking human to human, you know, you kind of think it's just actually having that connection, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it makes a huge difference as well when you've got these outsiders coming into your world. Yeah, yeah. And so you're the kind of the expert. And it, like Will Smith was another level though, just yeah. like looking at his face and like, yeah. how am I seeing, <laughs> how am I seeing this without being in the theater? <laughs> on my couch watching at the television, it was really surreal. Yeah. But on this, you know, in the same vein, he made me feel really comfortable and treated me yeah. really well. And so it, that was just a, a, a good situation to work with him. But, you know, Ronda Rousey, huge fan of hers. Yeah. Um, and her and her husband have become really good friends now. Um, and, you know, the comedians from last year's yeah. uh, Shark Trip. But, yeah, you're right. It's It's just about being open and friendly and you know wanting to treat everyone with the same respect that you want to be treated with yeah. and being that light that you want to see in other people um i think sometimes we get wrapped up in um wanting other people to cheer us up or external sources to cheer us up we're trying to get the newest thing the newest game yeah. trying to get food to make us happy whatever sometimes we just we inside just need to be the light that we're looking for and, and the best part about that is you can share that with other people and then it's not just you that's happy. Then there's two people that are happy, you know, and it just, exactly. it, it, it multiplies. Yeah, exactly. Cause I've actually shared that part. Obviously that section out of the podcast when you said that bit and I listened to it and that was it. Bang. That was it. It's almost like perfection on that statement. What is happiness? You know, like you said, the art, the art of happiness is given, you know, and then mm. somebody else is happy. And I was just like, you know, when you, when you've, when somebody puts that into that context, it's how straightforward that is. But it's something that we've actually forgotten quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thankfully, not everyone. And that's yeah. how, you know, that's how I kind of yeah. learned it from emulating other people. Pretty much how I've learned to do everything, how I learned to snowboard, how I learned to surf, how yeah. I learned to work out in the gym, how I learned to be a better soldier. And emulating people that you look up to. I don't think there's anything wrong with being at any age and looking up to people you admire and having heroes and trying to emulate the things that they do and you know and even even bettering them you know, that's what that's what took me out of my hole of fear when i was in hospital worrying that i was going to lose my career no woman was ever going to find me attractive again with my two limbs missing i'm going to just have a horrible life and it was the fact that i could get onto the internet and i could google prosthetic our limbs and see the incredible things that they are now and then i could get onto youtube and i could watch videos of um disabled people you know paralympic athletes doing incredible things in sport and so yeah. all of that research and knowledge and realization that if these people can do it then there's no reason that i can't either because you know what makes them so special you know they're no bigger or better than any of us and so yeah. if we just take the lessons and emulate what they did then we can do everything they do. We can, you know, we can learn from their mistakes. We can better their successes. Yeah. There's no reason for us to put any limitations on what we can achieve in our lives. That, that would just be silly. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's what it is. It's about learning from others, and that, that's something that obviously with yourself, like like we could spend hours talking. You know, like you said, you've you've literally lived all this this lifetime within that set of time there, and I see that massive evolution with yourself and how you've constantly evolved and learning from other people and how you've applied that. Um, and I think that's what it is. What we've all got to really do in life. We've all got to like see. Where do we want to go? What's our purpose? What direction are we going? But it's all about evolving, becoming better the next day and the next day. And always become that 1% better each day. So yeah, and then also about that, not, you know, getting, not getting upset when you stumble. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, all, we all screw up. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry about messing up a day, a week or whatever. Just, you know, if you're feeling sad, never feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. You know, don't, don't feel bad about feeling sad. Just have a shit day. It's fine. Yeah. We all do. If you have a shit couple of days, okay, but, you know, then you've got to draw the line. You've got to start yeah. saying, okay, why am I feeling shit? Identify yeah. the problem and go and, and then work on the solution. Now, you never want to just let that ruin your whole week, your whole month or your whole life. Okay, feel bad and then get over it. Fail and then learn yeah. from it. You know, it's okay. Exactly. We learn the most from failures in life. If we do something wrong, we can then look at it and think, right, we did that wrong. We can then correct that and do it right. And that becomes our strength where something we thought was a weakness there. I know Absolutely. Says, or if you're, if you're like me, you fail and then you don't learn and then you fail again. <laughs> and, then you don't, <laughs> and then you don't learn. You're just like, fucking hell, maybe I am doing something wrong. I'll give it one more go. Yeah, I'll just try it in case I'm, you know, I might just quite yeah. get there, you know. But I know mm. somebody had thrown a question out about self-discipline. And I know that's a massive area within the military is self-discipline is being that disciplined mind you know being disciplined at all times i mean how do you apply it these days for me it's um routine is a big helper in in that realm for me so just like did in the army and the navy as soon as i get up i get up get dressed i bang in a pre-workout and i go train yeah i get it done and that sets me up for the day um and so for me, if I, you know, and that's been one of the hardest things about the lockdown is yeah. I, I have been able to do that, but not to the degree that I normally would. You know, now it's like, oh, I've got to get up and I've got to work out on my living room floor again in my tiny little apartment in LA. But um, you just got to get it done. I bought a rowing machine so I could keep it interesting. <laughs> the dog coming over to stare at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that self-discipline of just getting up, you know, it's, it's five 30 in the morning, the alarm's gone off. Just don't think about it. Just yeah. take, take choice out of that and just go and just make it a routine, make it a program. You know, that's what the military, you know, one of the good things yeah. they do for us is they program you into not being able to think any other way. Yeah. Okay. So you, that is the self-discipline. Okay. I am going to maintain staying on my track plan. I am going to move in silence. I am going to make this fighting pit perfectly dimensioned. I am going to watch my buddies back. I am going to clean my weapon yeah. every single day and keep it clean because that's the, you pro just like the military programs us, you have the ability to program yourself into saying, I will get up at five 30 and go to the gym. I will come home and eat healthy. I will drink my fluids. Yeah. I will look after my mind. I will meditate. I will do Wim Hof breathing. I will take ice baths. I will yeah. go swimming in those, you know, things like that. I will get into nature. And then you just, it, it, you know, it, we, we all have very full lives and yeah. so plan it, you know, put a little yeah. plan in place where you're going to get one of the best things you can absolutely do is get out into nature for your mental yeah. health. You know, yeah, one of the people just get too wrapped up in being inside and being in their office and coming home and just doing all of the things that we have to do to survive, but we're not 
actually designed to do. You know, the, yeah. Our body is not just a couch for our bones to rest in. Uh, sp- it's supposed to be out there in the fresh air, getting the energies out of the trees and the earth and feeling the ground under our feet and being amongst wildlife. You know, that is what we're designed to do. And so if people did a bit more of that, I think there would be a lot less mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's something that, like, uh, that it's been picked up a lot. It's like, just even if it's just to go out for a walk, you know, be in that moment, you know, don't think about nothing, you, you know. And it, it's kind of like giving us that ability to get out there, clear your head, focus better. And like I said, meditation, I do that myself on a daily basis because it takes you to that place where you can just unclot your mind of all this going on because we we can kind of like pick up this or pick that up and it comes like a garbage bin that you're kind of full of all this rubbish. It's time to get rid of the rubbish, get onto, like I said, work out, go outside, do all these activities. It's kind of in that sense, disciplined in that form, become accountable for your actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah that meditation is really great for... Um quiet in learning how to quiet your mind yeah. uh, and i think that's why a lot of people have issues sleeping which creates a vicious cycle of being tired and being cranky and then not being able to sleep the next night then you get stressed and your mind's working and so that meditation and all it really is is just trying to remove all the external thoughts and just focus on one thing and that yeah. gives you the the ability over time to do that at whim and so when you go to bed you can do that you can go into that mode it quietens your mind it gets rid of all those stresses that you're going to keep you awake at night yeah. and i see just waiting for that connection hello mate all right yeah mate what's going on how are you yeah yeah good how's life oh not too bad yeah uh, the dog park is closed for cleaning for the next 35 minutes so i'm just hanging out with the with the mutt while we wait for them to clean Oh, he's a beauty. Yeah, he's not bad. Nice. Uh, so how's life in general? Are you good for you? Yeah, it's good, man. Gold's Gym just opened uh, this nice. morning in, in Venice for the first time in a few months. So it's good to get down there and get the first solid leg day in. Uh, although I, although I, didn't want to, I didn't go too hard because you know what leg day is like when yeah. you do a hard one, even if you've missed a couple of, you know, a week. And we missed like a couple of months. So there was Absolutely. no way I was going to be screaming in pain when I sit down on the toilet tomorrow. Um, so I took it fairly easy and did some legs and abs and shoulders and just nice. eased my way back into it. Yeah, I think that's the one way. Because once you start going into like product beasting sessions, you're just going to just tear every muscle, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm like, it, it's not uh, important for me to get sore the next day anymore. It's no. important for me to be able to keep, you know, striving along every day. So there's finding that, that fine line of balance between getting a solid smash session in and, yeah. you know, re- doing something that's going to um, help you get stronger and fitter, but, you know, not take away from the quality of your life the next day. Absolutely, because nothing worse than actually feeling that, and you, you've done a hell of a session, and then literally just feeling every muscle in it, or you've torn something, or there's damage yeah. there. Uh huh. Yeah. And, you know, there's even if you do, there's ways to get over that. You learn, you learn by force uh, when yeah. you're in the military and you're doing things like selection courses and shit like that, and you wake up the next day and literally everything in your body feels like it's going to fall off. But then, you know, and they, you, you can't say, no, no I'm not doing PT today. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm feeling a bit sore. They're like, 
Really? Sure, buddy, sure. Yeah. And so, you know, you get you get 15 minutes into the warm-up and you start feeling pretty good again once you get loose and stuff. So, you know, like you, you intrinsically know that even if you are sore, you can still go and do some do some stuff, but just yeah. takes a little bit of extra motivation. Absolutely, absolutely. Because what always on these podcasts anyway, it's very free-flowing. Um, and then basically what we'll do is a little bit of a backstory for everybody who's watching in. We're going to obviously convert it over to the podcast itself so everyone listening there. So if you just want to jump in there and just get, obviously give yourself a, um, your backstory um, from anywhere, obviously military beforehand all the way up to as far as you can, really. Oh, that's a really bloody long story, mate. Yeah, I know. We're going to try and chop <laughs> it down because I know this because I've heard so many. Your, I know your story, obviously, with listening to obviously yourself on Gezza's uh, Virtual State of Mind podcast, which is obviously where I first got to know you. Um, and I know there's a lot that you, you know, there's only so much you can fit within an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, there's been many, many chapters to the life. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I love that though. You know, but that, that was the reason that when I nearly died, I was kind of like, Oh shit, am I ready to die? And yeah. I thought, shit, you know, I've lived 10 lives in these 31 Absolutely. years. So you know what, if, if this is it for me, then I'm, I'm good to go. Um, yeah. And so now it's kind of like now that I didn't die and I survived, yeah. it's kind of like um, all I want to do is make sure I feel that way again next time that I, I'm facing death. And yeah. so you know that kind of freed me up to be able to live the life and chase the dreams that I that I've always wanted to. And and that and it works, you know, it works. I'm I'm yeah. literally living something that I never thought I could have achieved. Um, but it all started in the army really yeah. you know, I yeah. joined, joined the army to escape a life that I didn't really think was going anywhere I'd done some interesting things before that you know working yeah. behind bars in strip clubs and becoming a rapper and opening up for Snoop Dogg and you know struggling and striving and yeah. fighting and but you know just uh, what, are you, what are you crying about uh, <laughs> um, but I, I you know I, I didn't do well in school but I was well read and so yeah. I knew about this incredible world out there, but I just didn't know how to be a part of it because every week was just a struggle to make rent and get money for groceries. Yeah. And so my younger brothers were in the army and they were in artillery. And so I, I talked to them about it and um, they said it was great, um, yeah. but they told me not to join infantry. So I joined infantry exactly. and became, <laughs> became a paratrooper um, and did that. Well, no, it dropped you up. Yeah. Um, did that for, uh, for a join, joined the army in November, 2000 yeah. and switched over to the Navy in about April, 2005, yeah. um, and did some cool stuff, you know, um, sniper training, unarmed combat, jungle warfare, uh, military operations, naval terrain, specialist communications, um, uh, parachuting, um, got a peacekeeping job with the UN, uh, out in East Timor, which is a, a small island nation that no one outside of Australia has heard of. Uh, but the Indonesians were killing the East Timorese for uh, a few decades, like 250,000 of them yeah. were dead. Um, and so multinational force went in and the Aussies were patrolling the border the whole time. And it was, pr it was pretty cool, you know, got a UN medal for it and um, yeah. Australian Active Service medal and infantry combat badge. So that was pretty cool to be able to rock those when you come back and just, you know, have a deeper understanding of the world really yeah, you know absolutely. i'd never been over i'd never even been overseas before and all of yeah. a sudden i'm going to this third world country where there's people have been slaughtered and starved and then illnesses uh, and dying and yet uh, they're happy and they don't even have uh, running water they don't even yeah. you know they don't have the basic necessities a lot yeah. of them and yet they were happy 
And so that kind of blew my mind. It made me realize how much of a, you know, a bit of a selfish asshole I've been right. for most of my life. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of young people should see, you know, instead yeah. of going to what they have, you know, they call it schoolies week in Australia where, you know, you, you finish high school and you, you go and party for a week or, um, I, I don't know what they do in the UK, like programs. It's, they should invest that money into sending school kids out to a third world country um, yeah, for, a, for even for a couple of weeks just to go and see what it's like and see how yeah. the other half live and maybe spend some time helping them you know, building orphanages or whatever and, and really get a full idea of how bad it can be and how lucky they are and how grateful and how hard they should work to, you know, to strive to be better people. Um, I think that would change a lot to be honest about society in general, um, because, you know, the, I, I don't want to slam on the um, millennial generation or anything yeah, like that. You know, I, I, we, they've been raised through the way that they've been raised. You know, that's yeah. like, it, it's just a, a cycle. You know, we get brought up by the way our parents brought them up and you know, it's just um, a different world now. So it's, it's not like it's, they're doing anything wrong. Um, but I, I do see, a lot of bullshit on social media. Oh, absolutely. Um, pe people like it's, it's, pr gets pretty ugly and yeah. you know, that's not even the millennials. That's people my age as well. And yeah. it's horrible. Um, so I think, you know, going and witnessing what it's like to live in a third world country without would, would build a lot more appreciation and maybe a bit more kindness. Um, anyway, I digress. No, no, absolutely um, no, not a problem. Cause I was going to say, obviously you doing the, uh, being a parachute, and then obviously going into the, into the Navy to go diver. Was that something you've always had that love of was the water to go into there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I did. My dad um, was a swimming instructor and a police officer. So we grew up swimming. Uh, my yeah. first dip in the ocean was at two weeks old and yeah. I was spearfishing with my grandfather. Um, and so I, I always had the ocean in my blood. Um, yeah. But we moved away when I was 10 to a, a place called Canberra and the ocean was an hour and a half away. Yeah. And so I didn't really get to be in it for a, a whole decade. And my life was pretty horrible then. Uh, I, I don't, I, I can't account at all to not being near the ocean, but yeah. it was a real, like the, where I lived was pretty and it was safe and uh, you know, the, all the politicians yeah. lived there, but it was so boring. And so yeah. we just got into trouble. Um, and it was the only place in Australia where marijuana was decriminalized. And so, yeah. you know, everyone's smoking weed and then that leads yeah. to speed and cocaine and ecstasy and partying and, you know, fighting and stealing. It's just a terrible train of events. Um, yeah. you know, I got kicked out of home when I was, when, once I flunked high school and just had to negotiate life on my own with no direction because the, the teachers hadn't taught me anything about the world. It's just basically yeah. you go and you sit in a classroom and they talk, teach maths at you and yeah. don't really guide you. You don't get no guidance about the real world. My parents, my dad was busy working with the police all the yeah. time. Mum was looking after my three younger siblings. So, and so I just didn't get any guidance at all, except for, you know, what I was listening to in music, which was rap. And yeah. so Snoop Dogg and NWA and Dr. J were probably not good indicators of where I was headed in the world. Yeah. Um, but, but movies as well. And then reading. And, you know, I, that's where I got my love of the world was um, documentaries with people like David Attenborough and Steve, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve yeah. Irwin and stuff like that and reading the Encyclopedia Britannica and learning about all of these incredible places. But um, 
I really didn't know how to go and see these places and be a part of it until I joined the army. And then um, I just got, I don't know, I just got bored with the army. Um, yeah. I, I got a trip to Iraq in 2004, pulled out from under me four days before we left. And yeah. I just got the shits and I wanted to go somewhere where I could do my job for real, like yeah. I did in East Timor. And so I heard about these things, these guys called the clearance divers. And I didn't really know much about them. I, I knew no one looked directly at them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, shit, I want to be one of those guys. Yeah. And so I, I'm like, I've never scuba dived in my life, but I'm not afraid of the water. And so yeah. I gave it a crack, trans did service transfer, uh, went and did ship's divers, learning to scuba dive and search for yeah. limpet mines. And then went on 10-day selection, which was horrendous. Yeah. Um, you know, I lost... 15 pounds and 70% of the course quit most of them on the first day. Uh, but it was, I, I went into it with a mindset where they're going to have to kill me or I'm going to pass because I'm not going back to the army uh, as a failure. You know, I, I don't, I didn't see my, there was no future there for me anymore. Yeah. Um, I was just over it. I didn't want to do the same exercises every year yeah. and be treated like a pleb every day of my life. Um, and I just wasn't interested in riding the rank train either. You know? Uh, yeah. so it was, it was either clearance divers or bust. And, um, sometimes you have to go into things like that. Sometimes you have to go into life like that. Right? Yeah. You have to commit yourself wholly and fully to these dreams we have, even if they might seem impossible to you or to everyone around you. Um, you know, I've learned over the years that impossible is a stupid word that no Absolutely. one should use, you know, impossible, I can't, um, you know, I don't think I could, like all of that stuff, all what that excuses? negative connotation. Yeah, yeah don't. There's, it's bullshit. Just say, yeah. well, I can't right now, but I want it bad enough that I'm going to make it happen. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's, that's just how I've learned to live. And everyone, I believe, should because we are so much more capable than what we believe. Yeah, because I think that's what it is the mindset. Because I know myself, because obviously I can totally, when I obviously heard your story the first time, I could relate to that because obviously I was serving in the, in the Royal Navy, obviously fixing helicopters. And then I just, one day I just looked around and I just thought, I want to jump out of them rather than try and fix these. Yeah. And that's when I got me. I wanted to go to obviously ship's divers or Royal Marines, but then I trashed my knee, game over. So, yeah, yeah. you know, had it been a different route, you know, different times, never know. Um, you know, I don't know where I've been today, but with yourself though, with that um, career there, was it you found that, that true path? I could see that where you you found something that you were like, this is it, this is my path. I'm going to um, travel down now. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was just, you know, thirty one, uh, thirty years old, yeah. traveling the world with my mates, blowing shit up, jumping out of aircraft diving on all manner of diving equipment, um, riding a big black Italian sports bike, and I lived at Bondi Beach. Yeah. So I don't know if you can actually get any better than that for a, yeah. a big, really a big adventurous, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it was a dream come true. I was getting paid really well as a clearance diver. And yeah. so I had money in the bank. I was fit and strong. I had girls yeah. at the beach. And it was freaking great. And then, you, know, you turn up to work one day and a nine foot bull shark decides to eat you for breakfast and exactly, you know, that exactly. Flips, I mean, it was, flips everything on its head. Did that happen whilst you were in the job where you in where you were still yeah. a clearance diver? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Happened, it happened at work. I was at doing work, yeah. yeah, I was doing um a, a swim in Sydney Harbour, pretending to be an yeah. attack swimmer. Because yeah. that was actually uh, somebody had asked us that question, where did it happen? Was this the same guy? 
because um, one of my friends, Billy Ward, he jumped on. He's, he asked us, "Is that happening?" I said, "I'm not quite sure. I think so." But like, obviously, like, I will always ask that question. Where obviously, where, and just giving the answer there. Uh, so that's actually where it happened. Yeah, yeah, right, right next to the navy base. Yeah. Um, and and so this is you know a, a beautiful, well-known spot of Sydney Harbour. Yeah. You can actually see the Harbour Bridge from it. You can see the Opera House. Yeah. Um, and so no one had been attacked in Sydney Harbour in 60 years. Yeah. Uh, so lucky me, dog park's open, so I'm going to put the dog in there so he can have a run around. Um, yeah, and, you know, no clearance diver had ever been attacked. So this was pretty big news. And, like, the funny thing was that... Um, just before I got bitten, I was thinking about what would happen if I got bitten by a shark. Yeah. Um, because you know, it's, it's not really that strange if you know my mindset because I was petrified of sharks. And yeah. every time I got in the water, I had sharks on the brain. And so, you know, it's, Australia, it's Australia. Everything's trying to bloody kill you out there. So, you know, you get in the ocean and you just, you know, we had, I'd never seen a shark. You know, yeah. we, we swim for hours in the middle of the night um, on rebreathers and stuff and, I, I, you know, we'd been bumped, we'd seen shadows, but I'd never actually seen a shark yeah. until it was actually attached to me and eating me, which is not how you want to be introduced to this animal. Not exactly, because I remember you saying that, you literally, you were in the water, and next thing you know, there's this bull shark attached to you, like, whoa, you know, and, and, and I know that's when you said about fear, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, just you know, the survival instinct kicks in and you start to fight back. Um, but, you know, it took a second for me to process what I was seeing because, like I said, I hadn't seen a shark before. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe baby ones, but this, yeah, was, yeah. this thing was huge. Like it grabbed me by the back of my right leg and had my hand inside its mouth as well because my hand was by my side. Yeah. And its mouth went from um, the bottom of my glute all the way to the top of my knee. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. And then yeah. started to fight back and it decided I was food and it started to fight back and yeah. took me underwater and was tearing the crap out of my body. And yeah. just the most, you know, the funniest question I get is people say, did it hurt? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so bite into your own arm and just start tearing it as much as you can. And then times are by a million. Um, and so, yeah, I thought I was going to die. I, I, I didn't think I was going to make it home that day, but you know, military training, uh, really came to the fore and helped out and gave me that laser like focus, you know, once it had actually removed my hamstring and my yeah. hand and it was swimming away. Um, I just, my, my only instinct was to get to the boat, to get to safety. Yeah. And so swim back to the boat with one hand and one leg through a pool of my own blood and the guys in the boat, my teammates were coming at me and my, just my every ounce of focus was going into getting to that boat. Yeah. Um, so fortunately the guys got to me first and um, we started, they started first aid and yeah. I was, I, I, it's just the situation felt so serious. I was trying to add some levity. So I was cr cracking jokes and my, yeah. my buddy Tom was just over the top of me like, Dude, you're dying. Stop cracking jokes. <laughs> like, that's the best time to crack jokes. What are you talking about? It's that dark humor, isn't it? When it's best, you know, these moments, you need that dark humor. And I think that's, exactly. that's what it is. It keeps you that, that level-headed. Like you said, you've got the, you know you had to focus. You know you had to get out of there. And like you said, that, that kicked in, the training kicked in. But it's that dark humor. It's a kind of, a, it's a lifesaver, isn't it? 
Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that that comes, you do that through the whole military. You know, you might be out yeah. the, in the bush or the jungle digging fighting pits for two days and you're covered in mud and mosquito bites and ticks and you're wet and hungry yeah. and you'll stop and you'll just look at your buddy and you'll just start pissing yourself laughing at the ridiculousness of the scenario when you should be like laying down in the hole filling with water crying because you just life sucks but you just, <laughs> just you can't do anything but laugh about it and so yeah. i think i think that is a, a, a makes us stronger to know yeah, that we can get through a lot more and i guess that's the sad thing about the amount of service people that uh give up and commit suicide and yeah. um just just really give into it because uh it gets on top of them and I think a lot of it is not feeling like you can discuss these things with people yeah. uh, when you get out, you know, you get trained to bottle it all down and push it all down and just deal with it and just harden up. And yeah. you know, I've lost a, lost a bunch of friends to suicide now. And you know, they just, they didn't, they didn't open up. They didn't tell anyone, they didn't yeah. talk to anyone. And I think that's possibly one of the reasons why I manage so well. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't think I have PTSD. I don't, I've yeah. never had a nightmare. I've never had a flashback. I faced my fear and I do, do, I do that constantly now yeah. Um, yeah. At, for work. You know, uh, sorry, let's move away so I can get some peace and quiet. People come, people starting to come in now. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, I, I it, it really can be a gift or a curse depending on yeah. how you utilize it and how much you're willing to grow after the fact as well, because yeah. you know, as much as we get taught some really helpful stuff in the military, um, you've got to accept that we still need to learn as we come out into the civilian world. And one of those things is that uh, in vulnerability, there's strength. Yeah. You, know, you can let down your guard and be vulnerable. As soon as I learned that lesson, everything in my world started to open up even more and more and more. And um, instead of just my military mates that were able to um, talk to me and be mates, like I started to be able to converse with civilians more and that yeah. opened up the, you know, the pathway onto the stage and motivational speaking and started, you know, I was getting so many jobs and I was making heaps of cash and I actually overcame that fear you know the only other thing i was yeah. more afraid of than sharks was public speaking and yeah. so i got to overcome that fear as well and then i just realized shit there's just nothing left to be afraid of and yeah. now i'm free to live every day as a dream life because death's not scary and that's the, probably yeah. the biggest thing we're all afraid of death like it's just not that scary anymore um yeah. do you what's, think you embrace it do you think it's kind of kind of a case of once you embrace it of thinking we're, we you know we are mortal and we are going to die and it's that point of embracing something that to a point where you find that inner peace oh, yeah i think that's definitely an angle that you could take with it um I, I've, from my perspective, which I hope no one out there has to um, experience, is that I just I was that close to death already, yeah. and so I I just at those final moments when I thought I was actually going to die and, and I let go, I realised that it wasn't that scary, and the only thing that I was concerned about was whether or not I had any regrets. But, you know, that was the last thing I was thinking about. I was like, am I ready to die? And I yeah. thought back on my life and I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I've lived 10 lives in these 31 years. Yeah. Um, I, I have no regrets from where I came from in the past to where I am now. Yeah. Like I've done more than I ever thought I could achieve. So shit, if I'm going to die, then I'm ready to go. 
Uh, and now it's like, oh shit, I'm I'm not dead. I'm, I know what I know. Death's not scary. I know that the only fear I would ever have is regrets. And so now I'm just determined to go to my deathbed next time with no regrets and just having at least tried to make an impact on other people's lives. So they perhaps you know at schools and kids and things like that. So maybe they don't have to go through some of the crap that I went through. Make it a little easier, you know. Exactly. Learning from that experience because I know myself. It's like when you look at life as a whole. You kind of, you, like I said, you can be either full of regrets or you can look at that and think, and I've lived a life worth living. Yeah, and, and I it's, think, it's all lessons, man. You know, yeah. all those, the horrible times we go through and the struggles we go through, you know, you can look back at them and you can, um, and, you know, some of them can be horrible experience. Things that you and I could never understand, like giving birth or being yeah. raped or things like that. Um but it's the same sort of thing. You can look back on it as something that's going to cripple you and create fear throughout your life, or you can look back on it and go, I fucking survived that. You know, and that, that forges a stronger human being. You're not a victim, you're a survivor. Exactly. You know? So it's all about perspective and how you look at things and how you train your mind to work for you instead of being a, you, know, you being a victim to your mind. Absolutely, because I know that's like, and when you said that, someone you really touched on that, which I agree with fully, was the part about like when you look at something, when people look at either weaknesses and strength, and some people look at something that they might feel that's my weakness is actually their strength. Like you said, it's opening up and becoming more acceptance and speaking to more people. The more people we speak to, the more we learn, the more we can then, you know, kind of relate and talk to people on all different levels, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I was very close down to the civilian way of thinking. And I just thought they were all, you know, as I was trained, just a bunch of scum sucking civvies. Um, but you know, they have so much to teach people like us coming out of the military, just like we have so much to teach them about, um, team teammates and leadership and overcoming adversity and believing that you can accomplish things physically or mentally. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, we're all part of this one big team. It's not military versus civilians or me versus you or man versus woman or black versus white. It's like, this is, we are all one. And as, you know, as hooky as that sounds, it's true, man. We are, we are yeah, a community yeah. and we need to look after it. I see. It's almost like one tribe, isn't it? We are all, you know, all human. At the end of the day, we are humanity, regardless yeah. of, you know, sex, creed, color, race, anything like that. Absolutely. We're all one, one family, yeah. really. And I know that's something that a lot of people they kind of a lot of people have opened up and said, you know, we should be building a world where it's, it's almost like that tribe where we can all interconnect, we can all learn from each other. Mm. And I think that's something that they really definitely uh, like inspires me a lot is the personal evolution, personal development. It's always that constant learning. And I mean, for yourself, you've did you find that once after you went through the recovery period, I mean, how long was the recovery itself from the actual initial attack to where you could, you know, where you could really uh, like function properly again. Uh, man, I don't, I don't know if you ever stop rehab once yeah. you lose limbs. Um, it's always not a constant battle, but it's yeah. definitely constant upkeep um, yeah. of of body, of mind, of spirit. Uh, because it's very easy to slip, you know, yeah. have a couple of things go wrong and you slip into depression and, you know, well, you, you start drinking a little more. And I know I did at the at the start of this whole lockdown and Corona thing. There was just, there was nothing to do out here in LA. Yeah. Everything was shut down. And so 
you know, I'd end the day with a couple of beers and then a friend would come over, we'd have a couple more, then it's a couple more and you feel like garbage the next day. And then, you know, two days later, you're doing it again because it was just nothing to do. And so it, I started feeling really crappy. My spirit just yeah. felt dampened. And, and so I had to just pick myself up by my bootstraps and give me a mental uppercut and start focusing on, on achieving other things. And that's why I started writing more and um, developing my, my presentations more and uh, writing treatments for shark week and things like that. And distracting my mind from the boredom into creating instead. Um, and you know what? 90% of that, nothing will come of it, but it doesn't matter because you know, that 10% that you create, that something comes from that is all that really matters. Exactly, because that's what something that I've always I've seen this as a this is something we've never experienced ever, really in our lifetime. And I think it was something we've got to utilize. We've got to use those every day. Look at it, take the positive out of it. We've got time to do what we you know we've never had opportunities to do before. Even if it's say creative writing, you know, start new projects, you know, start new fitness um, you know, regimes, anything like that, where you can look at it as a positive. So always look at this. It's like utilize it the most we can because we never know when we're going to, you know, ever have this amount of time, you know, in time to come yeah, for us to yeah. ever utilize again. Yeah. Well, geez, you know, guys and, and women are, are saying that they've never spent this much time with their yeah. family ever. And, you know, it, it, it might have sucked being at home all the time, but um, how many people get to you know, the age where their kids have grown up and leave the, left the house and they're like, geez, you know, I wish I'd had the opportunity to spend more time with my children and watch them grow. And, and this is a very good opportunity for them to really embrace spending time with their kids and building that foundation Absolutely. of friendship and parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's me talking, coming from a spot where I've never had a child and I've never been married. So <laughs> disregard whatever you want. <laughs> you know, from sometimes the outside perspective can be um, a good one to consider as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So one of the big questions is how did Shark Week come around then? Uh, well, they were just doing uh, an episode on people that survive shark attacks. and. Yeah they asked me if I'd be interested. Uh, I'd already done a bunch of TV by that stage. I'd done 60 yeah. Minutes twice and a couple yeah. of other shows. Um, and so I was like, yeah, whatever. It's just another show. And I did yeah. my own reenactment in the exact same spot where I got attacked. And so they were just kind of like, this guy's fucking nuts. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think they liked that. So yeah. you know, they flew me out to LA for a talk show. Um, and then that, the next year, they gave me a co-hosting job and it just got bigger and bigger over the years um, to the yeah. point where Nat Geo noticed and they offered me my own show, but the boss at Discovery Channel didn't want me to go to a competitor and yeah. he was not, like, not nice about it. He was yeah. like a massive dick. And he said, if you go work at Nat Geo, you'll never work at Discovery Channel again. I was like, why? Why? <laughs> why would you do that to me? Like, yeah. this is, you know, this is a new path for my career, for my future. And you've just like smashed a whole avenue that I could have taken to help develop that. And so, you know, that was, I was pretty pissed off about that. But um, I couldn't decide. You know, the, the deals were fairly equal. Um, Discovery Channel was Shark Week and, you know, a couple of shows a year, three shows a year. And Nat Geo was my own show. Yeah. but there was no guarantee it was like six episodes no guarantee of a second season yeah. so i kind of relinquished control and i gave it to my managers and let them decide they're like just stay with discovery channel and you know 
But I'm big in loyalty as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And as much as I didn't like the boss who gave me that ultimatum, um, I become very fond of a lot of other people that worked at Discovery Channel, like um, Laurie Goldberg, who runs yeah, yeah. the PR department, and some of the other girls and the producers. So I, I stayed, and it, it was a, it was a good choice. You know, now I've been out in America for three years. Yeah. Um, love living in LA. I do miss Bondi a lot. I miss Australian beaches yeah. more than you can imagine because these beaches suck. <laughs> the water's gross and it's like four kilometers from the yeah. from the water across the sand uh but you know it's great I've, I've had a lot of opportunities out here i got a a really awesome show to shoot in a couple of weeks uh, i i can't tell you who it's with but yeah yeah like this year they wanted to give me the celebrity shows because apparently i did really well with them last year and i get along well with the celebrities because i don't go all fanboy and i just have fun and they said, oh, we want you for the celebrity shows this year. I'm like, oh, fuck. Again, I'm like, I want to do proper shark science and yeah. teach people stuff. And then they told me who I was working with. I'm like, ah, take it all back. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> have that. I, I don't do it. I, yeah. Because <laughs> I think was it one of the, one of the, obviously when you worked alongside, obviously done the part with Will Smith as well. And it was just like, you know, you could see how easy going you were with these people. And it's, it's that kind of like because like you said you you're very open you know very easy going where you just talk to people on that on that human level regardless mm. of wealth or anything like that it comes it, there's nothing on that level where when you're speaking human to human you know you kind of think it's just actually having that connection isn't it yeah well it makes a huge difference as well when you've got these outsiders coming into your world yeah, yeah. and so you're the kind of the expert and it, like Will Smith was another level though. Just yeah. like looking at his face and like, just like how am I seeing, <laughs> how am I seeing this without being in the theater or I look on my couch watching at the television. It was really surreal. Yeah. But on this, you know, in the same vein, he made me feel really comfortable and treated me yeah. really well. And so it, that was just a, a, a good situation to work with him. But, you know, Ronda Rousey, huge fan of hers yeah. um, and her and her husband have become really good friends now. Um, and, you know, the comedians from last year is yeah. uh, Shark Trip. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's just about being open and friendly and, you know, wanting to treat everyone with the same respect that you want to be treated with yeah. and being that light that you want to see in other people. Um, I think sometimes we get wrapped up in um, wanting other people to cheer us up or external sources to cheer us up. We're trying to get the newest thing, the newest game, trying to get food to make us happy, whatever. Sometimes we just, we inside just need to be the light that we're looking for. And, and the best part about that is you can share that with other people and then it's not just you that's happy. Then there's two people that are happy, you know, and it just, exactly. it, it, it multiplies. Yeah, exactly. Because I've actually shared that part. Obviously, that section out of the podcast where you said that bit and I listened to it and that was it. Bang, that was it. It's almost like perfection on that statement. What is happiness? You know, like you said, the art, the art of happiness is given. You know, and then mm. somebody else is happy. And I was just like, you know, when you, you when you when somebody puts that into that context, it's how straightforward that is. But it's something that we've actually forgotten quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thankfully, not everyone, and that's yeah. how you know that's how I kind of yeah. learned it from emulating other people pretty much how I've learned to do everything, how I learned to snowboard, how I learned to surf, how yeah. I learned to work out in the gym, how I learned to be a better soldier, and emulating people that you look up to. I don't think there's anything wrong with being at any age and looking up to people you admire and having heroes and trying to emulate the things that they do. Yeah. And, you know, even, even bettering them. You know, that's what 
That's what took me out of my hole of fear when I was in hospital, worrying that I was going to lose my career. No woman was ever going to find me attractive again with my two limbs missing. I'm going to just have a horrible life. And it was the fact that I could get onto the internet and I could Google prosthetic uh, limbs and see the incredible things that they are now. And then I could get onto YouTube and I could watch videos of um, disabled people, you know, Paralympic athletes doing incredible things in sport. And so all of that research and knowledge and realization that if these people can do it, then there's no reason that I can't either because, you know, what makes them so special? They're no bigger or better than any of us. And so if we just take the lessons and emulate what they did, then we can do everything they do. We can, you know, we can learn from their mistakes. We can better their successes. There's no reason for us to put any limitations on what we can achieve in our lives. That, That would just be silly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's what it is. It's about learning from others, and that, that's something that obviously with yourself, like like we could spend hours talking. You know, like you said, you've you've literally lived all this this lifetime within that set of time there, and I see that massive evolution with yourself and how you've constantly evolved and learning from other people and how you've applied that. Um, and I think that's what it is. What we've all got to really do in life, we've all got to like see. Where do we want to go? What's our purpose? What direction are we going? But it's all about evolving, becoming better the next day and the next day. And always become that 1% better each day. So yeah, and then think also about not, that, getting, not getting upset when you stumble. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, all, we all screw up. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry about messing up a day, a week or whatever. Just, you know, if you're feeling sad, never feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. You know, don't, don't feel bad about feeling sad. Just have a shit day. It's fine. Yeah. We all do. If you have a shit couple of days, okay, but, you know, then you've got to draw the line. You've got to start yeah. saying, okay, why am I feeling shit? Identify yeah. a problem and go and, and then work on the solution. Now, you never want to just let that ruin your whole week, your whole month or your whole life. You know, feel bad and then get over it. Fail and then learn yeah. from it. You know, it's okay. Exactly. We learn the most from failures in life. We do something wrong, we can then look at it and think, right, we did that wrong. We can then correct that and do it right. And that becomes our strength, where something we thought was a weakness there. I know Absolutely. Says, or if you're, if you're like me, you fail and then you don't learn and then you fail again. <laughs> and, then you don't, and then you don't learn. You're just like, fucking hell, maybe I am doing something wrong. I'll give it one more go. Yeah, I'll just try it in case I'm, you know, I might just yeah. get there, you know. But I know somebody had thrown a question out about self-discipline. And it's a massive area within the military is self-discipline is being that disciplined mind you know being disciplined at all times i mean how do you apply it these days for me it's um routine is a big helper in in that realm for me so just like did in the army and the navy as soon as i get up i get up get dressed i bang in a pre-workout and i go train yeah Yeah. i get it done and that sets me up for the day um and so for me, if I, you know, and that's been one of the hardest things about the lockdown is yeah. I, I have been able to do that, but not to the degree that I normally would. You know, now it's like, oh, I've got to get up and I've got to work out on my living room floor again in my yeah. tiny little apartment in LA. But um, you just got to get it done. I bought a rowing machine so I could keep it interesting. <laughs> the dog coming over to stare at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that self-discipline of just getting up, you know, it's, it's five thirty in the morning, the alarm's gone off. Just don't think about it. Just yeah. take, take choice out of that and just go and just make it a routine, make it a program. You know, that's what the military, you know, one of the good things yeah. they do for us is they program you into not being able to think any other way. 
Okay, so you that is the self-discipline. Okay, I am going to maintain staying on my track plan. I am going to move in silence. I am going to make this fighting pit perfectly dimensioned. I am going to watch my buddy's back. I am going to clean my weapon yeah. every single day and keep it clean because that's the you pro. Just like the military programs us, you have the ability to program yourself into saying, I will get up at 5.30 and go to the gym. I will come home and eat healthy. I will drink my fluids. Yeah. I will look after my mind. I will meditate. I will do Wim Hof breathing. I will take ice baths. I will yeah. go swimming in those, you know, things like that. I will get into nature. And then you just, it, it, you know, it, we, we all have very full lives. And so plan it, you know, put a little plan in place where you're going to get one of the best things you can absolutely do is get out into nature for your mental yeah. health. You know, yeah, one of the people just get too wrapped up in being inside and being in their office and coming home and just doing all of the things that we have to do to survive, but we're not actually designed to do. You know, the, yeah. our body is not just a couch for our bones to rest in. Uh, it's supposed to be out there in the fresh air, getting the energies out of the trees and the earth and feeling the ground under our feet and being amongst wildlife. You know, that is what we're designed to do. And so if people did a bit more of that, I think there would be a lot less mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's something that, like, uh, that it's been picked up a lot. It's like, just even if it's just to go out for a walk, you know, be in that moment, you know, don't think about nothing, you, you know. And it, it's kind of like, Given us that ability to get out there, clear your head, focus better. And like I said, meditation, I do that myself on a daily basis because it takes you to that place where you can just unclot your mind of all this going on because we, we can kind of like pick up this or pick that up and it comes like a garbage bin that you're kind of full of all this rubbish. It's time to get rid of the rubbish, get on to, like I said, work out, go outside, do all these activities it's kind of in that sense disciplined in that form become accountable for your actions yeah yeah, yeah that meditation is really great for um quiet in learning how to quiet your mind yeah uh, i think that's why a lot of people have issues sleeping which creates a vicious cycle of being tired and being cranky and then not being able to sleep the next night then you get stressed and your mind's working and so that meditation and all it really is is just trying to remove all the external thoughts and just focus on one thing. And that yeah. gives you the, the ability over time to do that at whim. And so when you go to bed, you can do that. You can go into that mode. It quietens your mind. It gets rid of all those stresses that you're going to keep you awake at night. Yeah. And I see that as one of the greatest benefits. And then Absolutely. you're rested. You know, everyone's much happier and much more energized when they're getting that rest. Yeah, it's always all about having that balance, isn't it? That work balance, but also life yeah. balance. And that life balance is all about planning, your, like going through that structure of, right, this is a routine that I'm going to do. If you go for, like, say, a run three times a week, you're going to keep to that. And it is yeah. a horrible feeling when you wake up at like five o'clock in the morning, it could be raining outside, and you're thinking, I don't mm. want to go out there. But it's that yeah, Especially of, where you are. Oh, it's, some mornings it's horrible. Not so much here. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no no it's awesome you know and you just got to think right if i do it and it's that procrastination when we can all do sit and think well i'll go in five minutes or well, and you give yourself those excuses but it's a get a get an erase all that get rid of the excuses and just do it because you feel 10 times better when you've done that absolutely all right mate i'm gonna have to get going yeah not a problem massive thanks paul you know i appreciate everything you know all the chat we've had tonight there um, but like obviously like um, I'll be posting everything for your page there 
um, just get everybody to where you're at, you know, Shark Week, Discovery, you know, we'll um, get all that posted on there. But, you know, I massively appreciate your time you've given us today there. But you, Pleasure, you take care of yourself, okay? See you, mate. See you okay, um, cheers now. Do that, bye. He didn't have much time. He didn't ha really have the full hour. I could tell he was like, and he had his dog with him and all that. He only had so much time. It was just fair enough, you know, 40 minutes of his time. He's just, you know, 